Your health is our priority. Each series, it's our goal to make sure that we provide you with experts and guests that offer multiple perspectives so that you feel supported, empowered, and less alone. Like the work we do? Buy us a cup of coffee. Or tea. You can leave us a tip over at coffee.com slash the hip podcast, which is ko-fi.com slash the HIP podcast, or with the link in our show notes. When you buy us a cup of coffee, you not only support the work we do, but also gain access to early releases and downloadable resources. Again, that's coffee.com slash the hip podcast. Hey there! We just wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you who have listened, shared, engaged, and sent us love. It means the world to know that we've had the chance to spread even just a little bit of knowledge, insight, and encouragement to you along your health journeys. If you'd like to support the work we're doing, we've created a Patreon page where you can earn some exciting rewards, because being a part of the HIP team isn't just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Contributions start as low as $1 a month, with each level offering a number of super fun perks, like monthly bonus episodes, Q&As, a portrait drawn by our own in-house artists, and even personal chats with the Health It's Personal team. We created this podcast so that everyone can have the chance to access informative, inspirational, and insightful stories, and your support is a huge step in us reaching those who need it most. We wish we could give you all a big hug, but hopefully this will suffice, at least until we're allowed to hug again. If you love what you hear or are as passionate about health as we are, please visit patreon.com slash the hip podcast. That's patreon.com forward slash the HIP podcast. We couldn't do this without you. So thank you again. And thanks in advance for joining our ever growing hip family. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health It's Personal. This episode is very special because it is the final episode in our nutrition series. We couldn't think of a better way to round out our discussions on nutrition than with Gabriella Day. Yep. She's a journalist, mental health advocate, and many other wonderful things, among being reigning Miss Wisconsin USA. She's amazing. She shares her incredible insight on balance, body image, and also how you turn passion into purpose. She also got to share a little bit about her journey through life and all of those things from, you know being a scientist to being in these pageants and everything in between. So it's a very complex and fascinating journey to follow and learn about. Her journey and then also where she's headed. She has these incredible initiatives that she backs in her role as Miss Wisconsin USA, but also she's just so passionate about storytelling and sharing people's stories and having a voice in such a unique time in our country's history. Yeah, and she has a gigantic heart. For sure. Uh, I really enjoyed how she kind of inspired us in many ways. My favorite part was actually how she stated that she tries her best to focus on what she can do. And that just reminds me of we're always so focused on what we can't do, but we should try our best to focus more on the things that we can do. And it's really inspiring for me right now because we've recently learned from a few past students in our courses who have done just that very recently because we try to teach them this like don't try to take on the whole world look at your role within your communities and what you can do and they've reached out and either continued the work they started in our courses or they thought about their roles in their communities and they created new initiatives to make a real difference uh, specifically related to 
the Black Lives Matter movement and beyond, which has been really amazing to watch. Yeah, impacting change. Yeah, and something that we've been talking about that I think I wasn't necessarily expecting when we went into this nutrition series, but so many people that we've spoken to have talked about the element of your community, Mm -hmm. being a part of your community, whether that's eating locally and how that affects your overall well-being. And it's just been this common theme. And then we not only heard that from Gabby, but we also talked about food insecurity and kind of the role that race and socioeconomic climate has in people having access to healthy, available food. Mm -hmm. Definitely. While we were chatting with her, I was literally jotting down different ideas I had about things that I could be doing this weekend, Mm -hmm. things that I've been thinking about for a really long time and wanting to get involved in and haven't made the space for it. Just seeing all the things that she's doing made me want to make more room. Yeah. Something else that really, really made me think was she talks about how painful parts of your life can turn into a passion to serve. You know, we've talked with people and and myself have come from a childhood that maybe had its challenges as many people do. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things can hold us back. Mm -hmm. But I love the idea of taking that pain or taking that um, struggle and really turning it into a way to help other people that are going through similar things. Yeah, and also giving what you have so maybe that's not physical things but things that you've learned or we talked a little bit about how if you're in a position to help other people there's always enough to go around I love that even if you're not in a position yeah (laughs) Yeah. your your love and generosity and you can find your way find your why your personal why I think that's where this podcast comes from a bit definitely what can we do I think on that note One of the moments that I won't spoil because it's so significant, uh, but it regards, you know, Gabby's father (laughs) and amazing things that he did. And it just reminded me of something that one of the most significant moments I've had in the classroom in one of my humanities courses where we're discussing the civil rights movement specifically. And I had a student who grew up in a racist household, but he emerged from it and he had a journey and he's like, I don't want to associate with my family anymore. He's been fighting with this his whole life. And he said, how do you think we can fix this? And I had to think for a couple of seconds, but instantly my first reaction was education. And that I feel like is a huge part of what we're doing here in this podcast and what we learned today. And that's just going out there, exploring the world, learning about the people in it and these communities and getting outside of your radius, as McKenna Mm -hmm. (laughs) said, kind of go out beyond your bubble and see what's happening out there and try to reflect on that leading to empathy, awareness, and so much more. And not higher education necessarily, but emotional and cultural experience in education. Learning about the people that are in your community or just steps outside of your community Mm -hmm. can open your eyes so much more. Yeah. Michelle Obama's first podcast just came out last week and she was talking with Barack Obama a bit about how her parents taught her to never assume you know what someone else is going through. Make sure that you get to know the people that you're making assumptions about. That's not exactly what she said, but like the drunk uncle or the person down the road that you might think is strange or whatever, you know, 
get to know that person so that you know why they are the way they are or what their story is so that you can be empathetic. One of my favorite quotes that I have written down so that I can see it as often as I can was said by Abraham Lincoln. I actually, this is, I know, I actually read, I actually knew about this quote before I watched the history masterclass. (laughs) So I'm not like copying, except that I'm copying (laughs) Um, from the source. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was, I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. No, I remember. (laughs) Yes, I remember that. (laughs) And I mean, that's a testament to his sense of empathy. He always wanted to understand the root of things and not the surface. But I think that that's been so relevant for me and kind of on my mind over the last several months, especially because almost every time that I think I don't like somebody that I've come into contact with, Usually, as soon as I get to know them, even if we're not going to be lifelong friends, I respect them and I understand them. And I think that that's something that a lot of people forget about in that if you do forget about that, it can lead to hate. That actually happened to me when Max was small. I met someone out and about at McKenna's school and he said something to me that was so off-putting and I was just taken back by it. And I met him again a year later And when I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's that guy or whatever. (laughs) And, but after getting to know him, he and his wife have become our closest family friends and we vacation with them. He's been a big part of our children's lives. They're kind and generous and fun and funny. And so that first impression wasn't, wasn't right at all. But I had a big, you know, reaction to our first meeting. I think the biggest takeaway from this episode is not only Gabby's journey through struggling with nutrition and physical fitness and body image like we all do, but, you know, heightened from her pursuit of establishing and reaching this platform that she has now, but also just how we've been seeing people's relationship and often negative relationships with food stem from these bigger issues, food insecurity body insecurity (laughs) yeah common theme of holistic wellness and community is something that's been such a huge part of this series and so it was so great to talk to her about that and she's you know these are a lot of heavy topics but she's so fun and funny and smart and inspiring that you know I could talk to her about it all day and I wouldn't feel drained Mm -hmm. no feel lifted and excited and passionate yeah and it's funny because just like she described her journey of discovering who she was supposed to be as a an adult it's kind of like our journey of let's talk about nutrition and we got so much more (laughs) but we're we're where we're supposed to be with that conversation it's so inspirational i think when it comes to mental health and nutrition and our health journeys that we all are capable of reaching the point that we want to be at and being the person we want to be. We just have to give ourselves the tools and the faith and the encouragement to do so. So please, everyone, grab a cup of tea and enjoy this episode with Gabriella Day. Health is understanding what you need. Being informed. Finding that balance of mental and physical. Building yourself a support system. Figuring things out on my own and not letting it hold me back. You do kind of have to advocate for yourself. 
Because health, it's personal. Well, welcome, Gabby. We're so glad to talk to you. You're a journalist in Madison, Wisconsin, and the reigning Miss Wisconsin USA, which is incredible. Congratulations. You're also a mental health advocate, which is an incredible journey. Would you mind telling us a bit about your path? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. First of all, McKenna, Sean, and Karen. I'm excited to be here, excited to be a part of the work you three are doing because it's amazing. And I'll tell you, all three definitely did not happen the way I expected them to. Of course. (laughs) Great introduction, but it left out all the dips and curves. I always dreamed of doing what I do now and representing what I do now, but it all happened so unconventionally. And I think that's been the true beauty of it all. I was a former, I was a chemist, a research scientist before I became a journalist. So cool. The reason I changed is because I knew I wanted to invoke change on the world, but I knew I wasn't doing it in a way I was passionate about. I was great with science, but I always wanted to be a journalist. And it's a dream I didn't chase because of fear. And, um, I knew that if I did it well, it could change the world in the same way I could as a chemist. So I decided to change routes. Interestingly enough, my career started with an unpaid internship. So I was literally (laughs) the girl who was getting bossed around by everybody. And I just absorbed the environment so much. And it was a dream of mine. And it's something I was very committed to that I worked my way up to actually doing it. As far as becoming Miss Wisconsin USA, (laughs) that's that's that was seven years in the making i competed for seven years to win ticket to miss usa and on my last try and my last year of eligibility after moving to wisconsin for work um because i'm originally from california i won the state title (laughs) so (laughs) so it wasn't overnight it definitely and it wasn't at all planned it was always a dream that i had in my heart I knew competing in the Miss USA organization was going to allow me to share my story with so many people. And so it was a goal that I chased after. I was always in awe of the women competing and I never dreamed I would be one of them, but here I am. And I'm so grateful for that. The combination of trying incredibly hard Mm -hmm. to hide the illnesses of both my brother and my mother for a large majority of my life. My brother struggles with depression and um, my mother struggles with bipolar disorder. They are both diagnosed. Telling those stories of others on my job as a journalist helped me gain the confidence to fully open up about the reality my family and I face with mental health. In addition to the gift of being a title holder in the USA system and being able to stand for and not only represent your state, but represent things that are close to your heart open the doors for me to become a educator and ambassador for mental health of America in Wisconsin. That's amazing. All that combined is how you came up with that great <laughs> introduction. For me. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much because it's really easy to try for your dreams. And after seven years of trying or four or two, it would have been understandable if you're like, oh, this just wasn't meant for me or a lot of people give up before the seventh try right mm-hmm. oh so mm-hmm. many people told me I was crazy yeah the amount of naysayers and even myself at times that I just kept thinking why am I doing this I knew the dream was put into my heart by the universe for a reason there was a reason why I 
kept being attracted to yeah. this. And also it helped me grow. The process was helping me grow at each, I was becoming better and better every year, even though I wasn't winning. I was morphing into this woman that I've always wanted to be. Yeah. So there was a benefit to even losing all of those years, quote unquote, losing. <laughs> That's so cool. I um, met an author once that said he had written 322 letters to publishers to publish his book. And if he would have stopped after 321, he would have never had his book published. And I that always mm-hmm. stuck with me. That's me. Story <laughs> of my life. <laughs> On that note, most amazing stories have challenges and growth. Uh, and you have met some amazing women and lifelong friends through that whole process you just described to us. So what do you love about pageants and what has pageant life been like for you? Hmm. Well, the thing I love the most about pageants is really rooted in a part of my life that felt broken. Mm. I, I mentioned earlier that my mother has bipolar disorder and still struggles with that. And yeah. As a result, I have never had the very close relationship many daughters have with their first female role model, which is their mother. And pageants filled that hole for me. You know, the women I met competing all the years that I tried to win and the women I continue to meet on my journey to Miss USA have changed my life in in some way. Each of them became a female role model for me to mold myself after so much so that I'm not rooted anymore in the intense pain that I experienced growing up as a result of my mother's illness. That illness overtook the bond we might have had, had it not been there, had it not been a roadblock, had it not been a pothole. So I always tell young women I meet that even if I never won my state title, I would have not felt as though I lost anything because I gained what I never had through the women I met competing. The main reason I tell women to compete if they are ever hesitating on making that decision because pageant life for me has helped me turn the painful parts of my life into a passion to serve. I think when you serve others by inspiring them with your story, the good and the bad, (laughs) it is something that serendipitously just ends up serving you for your entire life. And and that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. We we talked to so many people who are kind of going through similar, not quite the exact same journey, but the good and the bad, right? It all comes together as a package and we have to embrace all of that. And it's really great to see that you've, even if you're not winning, you're growing and you're experiencing so many amazing things throughout the entire process. That's wonderful. Pageants such as Miss USA, as well as the contestants have such an impact globally. What's exciting about a platform such as this for you? Oh, these questions, these are and top five questions at Miss USA, you guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Our new calling. <laughs> <laughs> the best part for me about the Miss USA and the Miss Universe pageants, which all fall under the umbrella of the Miss Universe organization, is that, you know, at every level, locally, nationally, and internationally, we are encouraged to be more than just beautiful. Mm-hmm. You cannot rest on just your looks in this system which is also something I believe people looking in from the outside can sometimes assume about the system. You are encouraged to use your beauty in a way that changes the world you live in. Makes the world more beautiful. Right. Like you can't, there, you can't just be beautiful mm-hmm, with no mm-hmm. purpose behind it. Every winner and every contestant at every level 
really brings to the table, I think, a unique package that affects change in every aspect of the world they're involved in and beyond. Your beauty has to come with a purpose, and that is why I'm so proud to be a part of this system. You, you truly are a part of a movement when you compete in MUO because their mission is to renovate the meaning of beauty and make sure that women know that confidence in who you are, what you stand for, and the change you create is what beauty is, not solely your confidence in what you look like on the outside. I love that. Yeah, that's really lovely. And you're right. I think a lot of people who don't know enough about the organization or about the really strong, incredible women who are involved in it could make assumptions. Absolutely. And I love that you've been able to meet so many of them through this. Yeah, and being an example of that. I, it always saddens me when people do not know the powerful women that lie in pageantry, whether they are competing or even working in the industry, like my directors and the president of the organization and the women behind, even just the way the stage is set artistic. up are so powerful in what they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So artistic, like all these different facets coming together and it's all just there to uplift women. So it's amazing to be a part of that. I love that. Is that a lot of pressure for you? Or is it more exciting to be able to have mm -hmm. that voice um, now? You know, it's inspiring. Because as a little girl, I, I looked up to the women that competed in this system. To now be considered one of those women and to keep breaking those barriers by being one of those women, it's just inspiring. It's, it's motivating to get up every morning because you have little girls that are really going to be shaped by the way that you take on the world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I know we're all just pausing. Like you're making you're making me rethink my day. We're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absorb, digest. John too. Yeah. John's like, maybe yeah. I should do beauty catch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could. Thanks. Someone who has this position and wanting to inspire the next generation, I know a lot of women are struggling with body image and that pageants and a career in television and people looking in on you and social media and I wondered how that's kind of impacted you at all in and out of this industry. Uh, it, it, you're conscious of your body image. I agree because I struggled a lot with my body image in my earlier years of competing before I set out to understand my why for competing. I came into the pageant world broken really broken and with a lot of insecurities and truly not a sense of myself. You have to be empowered to find yourself and that empowerment starts with finding the reason why you're doing something. When I first started competing, I struggled with everything from under eating to over exercising, starving, binging, and I hate to admit it, even using laxatives to purge. Mm -hmm. And a whole lot of self-loathing each and every day. Now, after going to therapy for several years, which I advise everyone to do in life, it should honestly be a human right if it was up to me. Yeah, a requirement. <laughs> mm -hmm. Through all of that, I've come to realize what was happening through those earlier years of me competing in pageantry. And um, I thought in my mind that those things I was doing, I had to do to win. 
because I truly just thought that you were only valuable if people were impressed with your outsides. Mm. And when you think that way, you paint yourself so small, you ignore the potential inside of you and you don't give yourself the chance to live through your why, not through your body, which is so powerful. And after learning my why, which the USA system empowered me to find, like I said earlier, my looks alone just weren't going to cut it. I've transformed into a version of myself that I could have never envisioned I would be when I was starving and lethargic Mm. four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. Preparing for Miss USA has actually been the first time in my life that I have worked towards being the best version of myself in the most balanced way possible. And I'm really proud of that. Working with a trainer now for Miss USA that not only helps me find the right ways to work my body, encourages me to eat and not restrict myself. And again, encouraging balance has been a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, shout out to Bombshell Fitness and Carbon World. <laughs> All right. I feel a sense of relief and authenticity when I tell a young girl that looks up to me how I achieve the way I look and that getting to the best version of myself is also achievable for her once she figures out her why, yeah. a plan that suits her and that she can stick to for a lifetime and the importance of balance. Yeah. You know, finding my passion for storytelling with journalism has impacted me positively in the same way that my journey through pageants have. I love what I do every day. And so I mm-hmm. treat my body better so that I can do that to the best of my ability. I think that if I did pageants or storytelling on TV just to be seen, I would treat my body in a way that was only according to the way others wanted to see it. Yes. Yeah. You know, two things about that is one, I love that you're saying that it was a journey for you that while it was, you know, challenging that you had to go through that. I think a lot of times we compare our chapter one to someone else's chapter 27. You had to get where you're Mm -hmm. going, but you let young women know that it just didn't happen from the beginning, you know? And then the other thing, like as a mom, a lot of my friends right now, really strong, amazing women have really strong, amazing young women as their daughters and they're in their late teens and early twenties. And I think when someone is attractive growing up, we tend to say to them you know oh you look so great or you're so pretty or wow and all the compliments are related to their looks and I think along the way they start to see that as their value Mm -hmm. and so I think that we need a different narrative and I love that you're really leading the charge in that yeah I love that you said that because the reality is every realm that you go into as an adult or as a young woman or as a young man, people want to see you in a different way every time, and living out of that place to just please everyone leads to unhealthy habits. Mm-hmm. You can't try to hold your body from opinion, mm-hmm. the opinions mm-hmm. of others. <laughs> your body can only thrive from a feeling, and you can feel health for yourself. We're all wired to know when we're balanced and healthy we don't compliments for that yeah Mm -hmm. I love that you said that because I feel like it even applies to when you're at work or at school and they're saying you're doing so much great work keep doing it even if it's just it's not looks it's something else if you push yourself too far in that direction that's also unhealthy yes like your body is balanced we we're just wired to feel balanced Mm -hmm. and when you don't feel that you have to assess for yourself what you can do to change that not what you can do to morph into what others want you to be. 
Yeah. And that must be so empowering for you to have gone through your journey and see yourself become this woman that you always hoped you would be and find your why and be able to tell the next generation of girls, you've not only made it to the other side of this journey, but are now doing this in a way that you are really proud of. Yes, absolutely. That's what I want my legacy to be. I never want to give someone advice that I haven't taken myself. Another great point. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good to remember. (laughs) We're going to have you ready for all these questions and no. Oh yeah. I just feel like I'm in my Miss Universe (laughs) interview. (laughs) (laughs) So we've kind of covered a little bit about how your healthy practices have changed the way you feel and see yourself. But would you be able to tell us a little bit more about what you could possibly say to a young person who might be comparing their body to images that they might see maybe in social media or on TV and just kind of walking them through that in addition to what you've already told us? Having been that young person comparing myself to others for many, many years, my heart immediately goes to the words of Teddy Roosevelt, which is comparison is a thief of all joy. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. In order to avoid the pitfalls of comparison, uh, there has to be action and tips in order to do that because it's going to naturally happen, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to put yourself in the right lane to avoid it. So I'll start off with the first action step. Okay. The first one I would say is when you find yourself falling away from that feeling of gratitude for who you are is to check your social media for profiles that don't make you feel good. Mm-hmm. In a day and age where social media has taken the place of reality for so many, it can trick you into thinking that what people post is how their life is consistently. Mm-hmm. So Instagram and platforms of the like are only highlight reels of someone's mm-hmm. life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they don't paint a full picture of reality because where there's perfection, there's imperfection. And where there's highs, there's lows, um, sure. as we've talked about. So that is reality. So you have to go through who you're following and either mute or unfollow those who are giving you that false feeling of being less than because you're not. Yeah. This is nothing against the person that you have right. to do that with. It's just about protecting your peace. Mm-hmm. I did this two years ago and it was life changing. And I only follow people I personally know, I've met or that I've connected with in a genuine capacity like I have with the three of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to hear. I also, I also follow a lot of inspirational pages that aren't centered around the way someone looks. Mm-hmm. So it helps me fill my social platform space with reality and inspiration instead of images that call me to constantly question the validity and greatness of who I am. Yeah. The second thing is I don't scroll mindlessly on Instagram. This really, is yeah. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and we're all guilty of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. This is a habit I see a lot of young people picking up. And I think it's really detrimental given that they're usually scrolling on images of others that contain little to no substance and they're liking them without thinking. Mm-hmm that habit is going to lead to a lot of the world reducing people and thoughts to an image, not to mention the negative side effects that it has on your attention span. Mm -hmm. And we're already seeing that. There's so many studies that show that people who spend long periods of time on social media and not in reality are experiencing higher rates of depression, less ability to focus, lower rates of critical thinking, lack of social skills, 
et cetera. The list goes on. So scrolling mindlessly, especially if your platform is filled with those you don't know and little to no realistic or inspiring messages doesn't help with the relieving the urge to compare yourself to others. So my tip for that is to set a timer on your phone once you start scrolling and get off when it stops. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's also an app called Flipped that is free on all smartphones and blocks you from apps after a certain amount of time. I used it for a little bit when I was making my choice to live a more mindful life and it helps so much that I don't need it anymore. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That's great. People in my life, sometimes they get upset time to time because I miss a picture they posted or I'll miss a story or I'll forget to check a DM. But for those (laughs) who really know me, they know not being on long right it's important yeah i feel a little terrible because uh, mckenna and karen are always sending me actually really inspirational or really uplifting or funny things on instagram and i'm so rarely on it that it's like (laughs) two two weeks later i'm like thanks so much for all of this well then it's like a big download yeah you just get all the inspiration (laughs) (laughs) third positive yeah yeah, but it feel, it also feels good to take those long, long breaks from it and then occasionally popping in and catching up, and um, it's so great. Um, but in addition to these conscious social media practices, how have your healthy practices, especially with nutrition, changed the way you feel and see yourself? Yeah, I was, I was just going down like a list in my mind of things that I've done in the past, and the last thing that I would mention is to invest your time or your energy in hobbies that make you feel good. Oh, yeah. Waste the time you would spend scrolling with reading. Um, Pre-pandemic, mine was figure skating. I've done that for 14 years competitively. So it's just my... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Or music or like doing new hairstyles. Like anything that keeps you busy and happy and that doesn't involve you wishing that you were someone else. Do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you've learned a lot about nutrition and your physical fitness over the last few years as you've been making health conscious choices. I think we kind of like to hear a little bit about where you're at now with nutrition and what about nutrition makes you feel your best. Well, I mentioned before balance, and that's Mm. really big because when I was competing in the past, I would restrict certain food groups. Mm -hmm. That was my number one thing I would say no to this no to that no to that and this was with the this was not even thinking about allergies being involved I wasn't avoiding food for allergies I was literally (laughs) (laughs) like please please avoid foods that you're allergic to um but I was avoiding (laughs) foods that I deemed bad or that I read online or heard from another girl made you fat (laughs) Mm -hmm. and these are not things that you should be dictating your nutrition by you should be dictating your nutrition by things that obviously are whole and that are healthy and that make you feel good and and taking them in and balance so now when I wake up in the morning yes I follow a plan for Miss USA but I also make sure that I'm mindfully eating so I'm not going to force myself to eat and I'm also not going to restrict myself from eating I'm going to eat breakfast when I'm hungry (laughs) I stop when I'm done I eat lunch when I'm hungry stop when I'm done there's no I'm not filling voids of other things in my life Mm -hmm. with my nutrition. My nutrition is for fuel and it's to help my body do all the things that I love to do. 
it's not a control mechanism for me anymore, which it is for a lot of young girls when they're growing yeah. up, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the best thing is for their body. That's yeah. so important. Yeah. So the change in me I've seen is just, I have mental clarity now. So my brain is not fogged up with creating calorie limits or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. lists in my mind of foods I can't touch. I feel a lot more free around people to be who I am because food is not um, the center of my universe in my mind. And I also have more energy to do things. I mentioned I was really lethargic in the past and that was because I was not eating enough. I was not taking in the vitamins that my body needed. And I was also punishing myself for eating through over-exercising and purging. So. Mm-hmm you need your mind and you need your body to be freed up to do life. Definitely. And I wasn't doing that. So now that I'm doing that, I just find myself much more happier and in a place of contentment with gratitude for where, where I am and where I'm going. That's so great. You know, we always eat, we should eat when we need that energy, you know, when we're hungry to keep going, to feel balanced. But do you ever kind of have those moments where you just want to eat something that's a treat or just to enjoy the experience? And how would you navigate that with all of that in mind? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's important, right? Do you ever have a treat? Yeah. (laughs) Please say yes. Um, Yes, absolutely. I'm still human, even though... I'm going to Miss USA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when I have those moments, the lesson that I've learned, and this was actually from therapy, this wasn't from a nutritionist, I learned to ask mm-hmm. myself why I wanted that treat. And if it was for any other reason other than a positive one, then I needed to address the reason why I wanted it. Brilliant. My weakness is cake. So I love, <laughs> I love cake. Tres leches is my favorite. If anybody would like to so anonymously good. deliver that to my door. <laughs> but when I want that, a majority of the time, I would say 80% of the time I want that because I'm fueling my body with all the good stuff. The only reason I would want that is if I'm trying to cover up feelings of inadequacy. Maybe I'm feeling lonely because my family is really far away from me right now. Maybe I'm questioning the future of my career. So these are all things that have nothing to do with cake. (laughs) I think they have everything to do with cake. (laughs) (laughs) Cake to distract myself. Yeah. And so once I ask myself that question, I usually can solve those things by either writing in my journal, calling my family or um, talking to a friend or even just like going back like I have a scrapbook where I go back through pictures sometimes and just look at how far I've come and by the time I'm done doing all of that I realize that I'm not even hungry I just wanted the cake to cover yep. all yeah. the feeling <laughs> mm-hmm. and when I do have the cake it's in celebration it's because I'm happy mm-hmm. you know like have any of those worries and I'm like I really just want the cake right now like, then that's when I go for it Gabby, that's so brilliant. I love that. It's it's like if you're eating because you're bored, then call a friend and go have a coffee. Yes. Or if you're eating because you're missing someone, you know, write them a letter or call them. That's I love that. Yeah. And I think it's a lot about those positive feedback loops, too. If you only eat the cake when it's a positive experience and, you know, it's to celebrate something, it feels a lot more special. And then you're not as drawn to it when you're in, you know, a sad 
place. Precisely. I only associate cake now with happiness. It's not sadness for me. I so that. I don't feel when I eat it. I actually tell people, I think I lose weight when I eat it. Honestly. <laughs> so do you have any advice, Gabby, for parents when talking to their children about these important topics, about balance or about nutrition, thinking about a teenage mind or what you were going through when you were younger? Like what could someone that you admired have said to you to help you understand like your true worth? Yeah, my dad is my biggest influence in life. He's my best friend. He always instilled in me to not let things have power over me. If I'm finding myself in situations with nutrition or even working out anything body wise, he always encouraged me to know that I am more than that and that I have power over that. And that power is in my mind, I'm capable of being bigger than starving myself. I'm capable of mm-hmm. being bigger than needing other people's approval. I'm capable of being bigger than people doubting my dreams. And a big part of that that parents can tell their children is, can you starve yourself to win that basketball game? No, mm-hmm. you have to feed your body. Can you sleep at night if you're not working out consistently? No, because your body will start to own in all that anxiety. However, it goes in the opposite direction too. Like, can your body heal if you're over-exercising? Can you have fun with your friends if you're constantly obsessing over what you can and can't eat? Can you be present in those moments in your life that mean the most if food is controlling your mind? or nutrition is not adequate. Like these are things to, I think, give a child so that their motivations are not to be skinny or to be an image that they think other people want them to be, but to be the things that they love and that they care about and that they're passionate about. And in order to do those things, you have to treat your body nicely. You have to treat it in a way. (laughs) I I know no other word. Um, You have to treat it with respect and and be kind to it in order for you to accomplish all these things that you care about so much. And we have to set those examples too, right? Right, right. Right. We have a big problem in this society with um, one's ability to access healthy food. Do you mind talking a bit about how you think this impacts young people's ability to have that balance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Such a great question. There's a lot of variance in accessing healthy and affordable food. And I think those two main variants that are playing a huge part in our society right now are race and socioeconomic status. Yep, definitely. Unfortunately, race and socioeconomic status play such a huge part in many of the things in our society. But accessing healthy food is one of those things. And this is something a lot of people don't realize until they see it and they're confronted with it. And as a journalist, I drive around areas of my state a lot. Um, I have also Mm -hmm. traveled a lot in my life. So everywhere I go, I see patterns and my eyes are really trained to look for those patterns. So the food disparity all over our nation 
equally lines up with your race and where you live. And as we all know now, especially because of the breakthrough of recent movement, light has really been shed on the fact that race has a direct impact on your income as well, Mm -hmm. which then in turn has a direct impact on where you're able to live. So for example, here in Wisconsin, we're ranked 51. And when I say 51, I mean last on the list. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Let me say it again. 51. <laughs> out of. Out of. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of our economy and how our economy supports racial equality. So to look at that in numbers, the average white family has a net worth of $171,000 compared to just $17,150 for the average black family. That's a massive staggering difference. Yeah, I'm, I just, I was mm-hmm. silent so people could let that see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That income gap is so large and determines a lot of things when it comes to food and how much quality of food you can buy and you have access to. So furthermore, it determines what food outlets invest in property in your area. So Madison, Wisconsin, where I live is a great example of that. I live near UW-Madison on the west side of Madison, where the demographics of my area are 75% white. Okay. There's Whole Foods stores, high-end grocery stores, Targets, co-ops, everywhere with the occasional McDonald's or fast food restaurant. And if you see that, it's in isolation or those fast food restaurants are condensed into one spot. Yeah. However, if you go over to the east side of Madison, where the majority of 25% of the minorities in Madison live, there's actually no Whole Foods. There's no premier grocery stores. The ones that are there are like poorly stocked with freezer and refrigerated sections within the store. Mm -hmm. Um, There's fast food stops and grocery stores on every block. So this is where people are getting their food. This is not fresh food that's affordable and it's definitely not healthy food and it's based on their race and economic status. Mm-hmm. And because we know that the foods that we eat impact our brain and our ability to learn and our ability to, you know, to be healthy, that says a lot about what's going on in our country right now. It says a lot. And at the very least, everyone should have access to healthy food since we know that that's the foundation of living a long, successful life. Those are definitely the main barriers that I see when it comes to healthy food access and that disparity. Well, and right now, a lot of really important conversations are happening around the world in regards to race. And I think food insecurity is one that isn't covered as much I think people don't always leave their radius (laughs) that is true it's a nice way to put it (laughs) yeah I think I think we get comfortable and we find the place where we feel like we fit in if we have that luxury Mm -hmm. and we choose where we live and then we just accept what's in front of us. Yeah, and it and it's so funny that you bring that up because I don't have children. I can't be in a house where I'm considering childhood nutrition, but if I was, it always points me back to my childhood where my dad actually did drive me around town sometimes after dinner on the weekends. And he would show me the differences in neighborhoods and explain to me why. And after those explanations, he would always ask me how I felt Your about dad. it. <laughs> Such good parenting. <laughs> Telling you, you just, I don't know what I did to deserve him, but thank you, <laughs> universe. Um, 
would he would ask me what are you gonna do with that emotion that you're really sitting in right now he's like are you gonna use it or are you are you gonna do something about it and i would always excitedly remember saying change change is the way um mm -hmm. the foundation of that the backing of that was like i didn't like the disparities i was seeing and the only solution was to create change in the ways i was able so i think my dad really empowered me to do that just by showing me things outside of my comfort zone that made me uncomfortable and I was young at the time and needed a lot of his help when it came to solutions like writing reps and taking food to food banks and donating some of my allowance to foundations that supported the change I wanted to see. He handled the logistics of that after planting the seed. Wow. So he educated himself in order to educate me. And as adults, that's what we have to do. We have to give awareness of the problems that lie early on so that we can encourage this next generation to take those disparities and be movers and shakers and, and mm -hmm. not jaded by things they don't know. Yeah, It's the difference between sympathy and empathy when it comes to these food disparities, because it's like, we want a generation that says, I don't like that, I'm gonna change that, as opposed to a generation that goes, oh, that's too bad, that's so sad. Yeah, that just says, I don't like that. <laughs> yes like one makes you stand still sympathy and the other moves you and that's empathy and so with food disparity there's so much that we can do but it really starts with the awareness of that and having that conversation when we started I was like Gabby's a rock star and now I'm thinking Mr. Day is, is the hero of this story <laughs> all it's all amazing it's all <laughs> Gabby, what do you listen to or read or consume in order to feel inspired? What lifts you up? What are those things that really make you feel good? Well, I, I'm a big reader. So I read about a, one book every two weeks. That's what brings light to my spirit and lifts me up. Right now, I'm reading The Confidence Code by Claire Shipman and Caddy Kay. It's really for me as I gear up for Miss USA, because my number one source of power, I think, in competing is the confidence that you have in yourself and understanding where that comes from. And this book talks all about that from every angle. Everyone should pick this up. You, you really won't be able to put it down, especially if you're like a science geek, philosophy addicted history buff like me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I also rely really heavily on my devotional every morning to start my day. It centers me and my spirituality, and that's incredibly important to me. So right now I'm reading Jesus is Calling by Sarah Young, and music is a great uplifter mm -hmm. for me. So I, I, I love music. I listen to every genre all the time. I think a lot of people would be surprised, actually, to hear what I listen to. Yeah. <laughs> But at the moment, I'm obsessed with the new Lion King soundtrack by Beyonce, which is titled Black is King. So amazing. <laughs> On my Instagram right now, you'll see a story post about it. But every song tells a story that I can identify with as a Black woman. The album makes me feel strong, especially at a time in our country's history where I feel like race is really something we're all struggling with. Mm -hmm. And I'm on explaining end of that conversation so I'm having to explain my blackness and the experiences that come with that consistently and that can be really overwhelming on most days. 
Absolutely. This album has really held me tightly when I feel exhausted and quite mm-hmm. frankly tired of having to explain being black. Mm-hmm. Helped me feel proud and gives me energy to keep loving the skin that I'm in. And I think everyone needs an album like that, an album that makes them just feel like themselves. That book that I was telling you about that the gentleman sent letters to publishers 322 times, yeah. his book was called The Skin You Live In. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. It's a children's book and um, it's actually really beautiful. And McKenna was, I think, 10 when we met him. So he's been thinking about these things for a long time. What are you working on right now that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. So right now I'm working on taking my curiosity and my storytelling to organizations that need them the most in these times. And alongside my daily work, I work with a nonprofit called We Excel. So they highlight issues that need light and give voices to those that really just need representation to be heard. Um, I also mentor youth in media and help them find opportunities where they are so that they can use their passion for a purpose. Oh, great. Working with Mental Health of America has been a light as it has been my healing as well. Being able to use my story to help others grapple with theirs on top of being a gateway to solutions for them is something I never had growing up. So I'm so honored to give that capability to others. And I'm also working on getting my foot into the door of the American Civil Liberty Union, ACLU. That's awesome. That's really cool. A part of the change they're creating globally, specifically in the fields of mental health, racial equality, and disabilities, and so much more. So if you know anybody, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm filling out applications as we speak. Um, and then, like you mentioned, Karen, I have a book club with a group of other USA title holders where we read works surrounding the national consciousness of being anti-racist. And we talk about the current racial climate openly and break down those barriers that we have regarding conversations around race. All those endeavors are what I'm working I can't even with you. Oh my gosh. You have to stay balanced or you just like poof into like a little dust. You love what I'm doing. So that is my balance. So it helps. (laughs) Yeah. It's part of the balance. (laughs) Find all those um, links of the places I'm talking about. We Excel can be found at wexl.org. So we, the letter XL.org. You can find MHA, Mental Health of America at mhanational.org can volunteer with the ACLU by going to aclu.org and you can find more information about my book club on my title holder page and personal page which I'll make sure I plug at the end of this episode if it ever ends because I don't want it to end I know yeah I'm talking to you so much (laughs) it's so amazing I know well please would you share just a tiny bit more of information with us about Miss USA and how we can follow you to Miss Universe Oh, oh, that's very that's positive thinking of you to mm-hmm. think. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. We got to put it out into the universe. <laughs> that's how things happen. Um, we're going to keep our fingers crossed <laughs> for that one. Wherever God wants me to go, I, I'm so willing to go there. But preparing for Miss Universe is lighting me up. And the huge blessing and all of the intensity of preparation is just that this has been a childhood dream of mine come true. And even in these like really challenging times, I'm making it work with the help of my team and 
the support of those I love. As of right now, we are looking forward to Miss USA happening this year. So the organization is just making sure that it can be done safely. And as soon as the safety of everyone is guaranteed, there will be a formal announcement of the date and the place. But safety is first okay. in the mind of MQL. So they're not trying to put a date on anything until they know for sure that everyone there can go and COVID will not affect anyone. That's great. In the meantime, everyone can go check out the profiles and headshots of all the contestants yeah. for 2020 by checking in missusa.com in their URL bar and then clicking the meet the contestants tab. And after checking us all out, you can bookmark that page so you can get back to it when they do make a formal date and location announcement or any other details that may come up. You can also follow my title holder page on Instagram, which is at MissWIUSA. My production company page, which is at USA State Pageants, and my personal page, which is at I am Gabriella D. Gabriella with two L's and the letter D. Anyone following those will know as soon as I know anything. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have a watch party. Don't you worry. Oh, yay. And you got to have enough food so that hopefully that will send a good omen out that I will make it into the top 15. I'm making cake. (laughs) All the Tres Leches. <laughs> yes. Oh, Gabby, it's so amazing speaking to you. I just, I can't even believe all the amazing things that you're doing. And we're just so grateful and happy to have met you. Oh, I'm, I'm grateful that we connected in a very meaningful way on social media. I think this is how it's supposed to be used to make like this. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really great. All right. Well, please, we'll be in touch and you have the most amazing day. Okay. You too. Bye. We'll talk soon. Yeah, take care. Bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Health It's Personal. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts for bonus episodes and new releases every Wednesday. The Health It's Personal podcast is produced by me, McKenna Udi, and hosted with the Phronesis Health Initiative team, Karen Jively and Sean Tingle. Special thanks to portrait artist Alexander musical contributor Bernie Ramke, and to our guests and experts for their kindness and bravery in sharing their stories each week. Please listen, subscribe, engage, and send us topics we can explore that would help you on your journey. Because health, it's personal.